We're still talking about serving the Lord. Tonight, big idea is this, because Jesus lived his life as a servant. As his followers, we are called to do the same. Because Jesus lived his life as a servant. As his followers, we are called to do the same. And so tonight, if we can entitle our lesson, we will entitle it this, The Perils of Servanthood. The Perils of Servanthood. Our lesson, big idea, Jesus warned that this life of servanthood is not lived without cost. This life of servanthood will not lived without cost. And so we must realize that it's going to cost us to be a servant of Christ. It's going to cost us to be a servant of Christ. If 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 we're not being cost anything, then probably we're not serving him. So if we want to know if we're serving the Lord, we have to ask ourselves, am I being cost anything? And so we're going to take our scripture text tonight from Luke chapter 18, verse 18, Luke chapter 18, verse number 18. The scripture says in verse 18, and certain ruler asked him, saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a very, very important question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know what you need to do to inherit eternal life, Genesis? You you have an idea, but you're not sure. And if I put you on the spot to explain it, you might not explain it right away. But I'm going to keep on asking the question. Because isn't that what this is kind of all about for many of us? Right? Eternal life? Heaven? Yes? And so... This man asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 19, and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. 21 says, and he said All these have I kept from my youth up. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing. So he ran down all the things that he was doing, or should I say he was not doing. He was making sure he wasn't committing adultery. He was making sure that he didn't kill. He was making sure he didn't steal. He was making sure uh, he didn't commit false witness. And so he says, oh, I'm good. I have not done those things. Jesus says, yet you still lack one thing. Anybody know what that one thing is? What did he lack? Jesus said to him, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. You know what he lacked? 
Still don't know? Here is the answer. He said, sell all, all that thou have and distribute to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And here's the big key. And come, follow me. That's the one thing he lacked. <laughs> it's heavy. So he was able to not do these things. Jesus said, okay. But you lack something. It's big to understand that we cannot do these things. We cannot do this and we cannot do that. All these commandments God gives us and we can say we don't. Well, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But you're telling me following Jesus is really the key to getting to heaven. How long have I been saying, Brother D, you know, you've been with me the whole way. How long have I been saying Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. It's about your relationship with God. How long have I been saying that? So the bottom line is how we get to heaven is by following him, not the things that we don't do. Oh, I don't lie anymore. Oh, I don't commit adultery anymore. Oh, I don't bear false witness anymore. Oh, I don't steal anymore. Okay. That's all good. But you still lack one thing. <laughs> so everything everybody tell us that they don't do anymore, we said, yeah, but you lack one thing. Let's read a little bit more. 23. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Look at my man Peter. Then Peter say, lo, we have left all and followed thee. So Peter gave us the answer. It's about the relationship, following him, being with him. This is what it's all about, is being with Jesus. It's not about, oh, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. Yeah, I don't lie anymore. Oh, I don't drink anymore. Oh, I don't smoke anymore. That, 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 that. You know, you know my theory behind that, and it's a revelation that God gave me a long time ago. But my theory about it is, when you love somebody, you know what makes them upset and what makes them happy. So if I if I can't remember all the don'ts, Brother D, if I can't remember all the do nots, all I know is, which I've always say we all need to revert to. If I love the Lord, I know what he doesn't like. If I have a relationship with him, if I'm following him, I know what he doesn't like. So I don't have to even think about what, what I should not do. You know, you shouldn't lie. Well, I know the Lord. I have a relationship with him. I know he don't like liars because he said the devil is a liar and the father of lies. So I know he don't like a liar. So guess what? If I have a relationship with him and I love him and I'm following him, then I, I, I'm not going to lie because I, I, I love him. I want our relationship to be good. I don't know how many of us in here have a relationship with someone that we said we love and we don't care what they think. And we don't care about them feeling good. So it's important to realize that 
in following him is where it's all at. Listen to this story. Myra had worked for many years in a large downtown business office. Over the years, many different things had been said about Myra. But there was one thing which all her co-workers agreed about Myra. Myra was a mean, hateful person. Everybody agreed about that. <laughs> no one had ever managed to get close enough to Myra to know her very well. She had a way of quickly turning people off. Anyone that would try to befriend her, they just, she just turned them off. She was a loner and a disagreeable one at that. Consequently, whenever a new employee was hired, the warning was made to each one of them. Stay away from Myra. This unfortunate situation lasted for years until a new employee whom we shall call Margaret. Margaret arrived on the scene to work in the business office, disregarding all the friendly warnings about Myra, Margaret made a special effort to let Myra know that now there was someone in the office who really cared about her. If we're going to be Christians, that's what we need to do. Remember I talked about we can't be trying to get people to come up to our level because it'll never work. So if we have it together or we're doing better than someone in church, if we're waiting for them to get it together before we reach out to them, before we try to help them, they'll never do it because they are where they are. And if they could do better, they probably would do better. And I always say stuff about that, like, like, you know, we can easily criticize, but it's, but, but I'm at the, at the point where I believe that everyone wants to look good and do well. Even the people that's doing bad, they want to still do good. But you know what? Because no one is reaching for them to encourage them to do it. Guess what? They'll do bad to try to get the same results, which is for somebody to care about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whichever way I need to behave so someone can care is what I'm going to do. But at the end of the day, everybody wants someone to care and everybody wants to look good or be accepted. Everybody. And if you don't, if you say no... You're just lying to yourself. Yes. And so Margaret started trying to make a good friend and get close to her. It was a slow process, but eventually the ongoing expressions of kindness began to bear fruit. Myra was beginning to break out of her shell. She was communicating more easily, not just with Margaret now, but with everybody else in the office. You can imagine everybody saying, mm, what happened to her? She even began developing friendship, real friendships, with a couple of people other than Margaret. Then early one morning, the entire office was shocked to learn that Margaret had died suddenly. Ooh. When Myra heard the news, she began crying and she couldn't stop crying. Myra's response was, Margaret was the only Christian I ever knew. That's what she kept saying as she cried. Margaret was the only Christian I ever knew. Because whoever called himself Christian didn't do what Margaret did. Everybody just, oh, we're not messing with Myra. Do we do that to people in church? They're just probably not up to our standards, so we're not messing with them. I just can't be bothered with them. Do we do that a lot? Can't be bothered with them. They're just too much. 
I know I don't have a choice. <laughs> oh, I don't have a choice. You can be any way you want. I'm not telling you to be any way you want. I'm just telling you, I don't have a choice. <laughs> it, it comes with the territory. The Lord says, go start my church. I have no say so. I throw the net and whatever comes in the net, I got to just treat them all good. It doesn't matter. And so doesn't matter how you treat me. I got to treat you right. I don't have a choice. If I'm going to get to heaven, I have to treat you right no matter how you treat me. Thank God for Margaret. For Margaret, Christianity was as it should be. It was not only a way of thinking, but it was a way of living that impacted the lives of those around her. I'm a firm believer in that. As a Christian, are you impacting the lives of the people around you? Josiah, Simeon, Genesis, Jordan, Peyton, are you all impacting the people around you when you go to school or they're impacting you? That goes for the adults. I just wanted to bring you all in because you all, you know, me and you all right here. And I'm always worried about you all because I just think that you guys let the, the things that are happening around you stress you out too much. Can I tell you this situation that we don't really realize, young people? Listen, you don't even have to tell me anything. But as a young person, everyone wants to feel special and accepted. Yes, young people, you, you, right, you don't have to agree with me. I'm telling you. Everyone wants to feel accepted and special. Here's the trick. If you're doing what everyone else is doing, you think that's going to make you feel special? How are you going to be special if you're doing what everybody else is doing? Tell me how you become special. Or are you going to be competing with someone that's already at the top of the class? So, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, there was always a few real cool dudes in school. They were extra cool. You have any of those in your school, Simeon? Extra cool guys? Yeah? You just know they're cool. People just look at them, man, he's cool. Maybe because of what they wear, you know, how they walk. Yes, Genesis? He's cool, right? Okay. And so if those guys are cool, what is going to make you think, Simeon, if you join them, you're going to be just as cool? Tell me. How does that work? They got that on lock. And even if you join up with them, they still cooler than you because they were cool before you. Make sense? So if I'm going to go to school and these guys and gals and they're cool and I'm trying to be special and stand out, I can't be like them. The only way to be special and stand out is to be who you are. That's it. Because God made every one of us unique. I was telling somebody about this. Um, I don't know if it was today. Yeah, it probably was today. And yesterday, okay. Brother Scarlett is here to witness what I'm telling you. And so we had a prayer meeting yesterday. And great prayer meeting. We prayed, time to go home, right? And before we close out, Pastor Clark says, I want all the pastors to say something. And I'm never trying to say anything to impress anybody. Because God put me in this church to be the pastor of this church. You all are who I worry about. So I don't go places to try to worry about somebody else's folks. I worry about this church. 
So they said, let's, you know, get all the pastors to say something. So, you know, usually, you know, you want to get something real profound. I said, I don't have nothing profound to say. I ain't saying nothing profound. Just because sometimes, sometimes, you know, there's politics to certain things. And I'm just, people swear I'm a politician. But they, they say that because I get along with everybody. I am not a politician. Because I don't play games. And that's what politicians do. And so I said, I'm just going to go up and say what I believe God put in my heart. So you want to hear something funny? I was streaming, um, watching something um, through streaming on TV the other day on the channel called Real something. I don't know, R-E-E-L-S-L-Z. And it's talking about gangsters. And so I happen, you'll like this, Brother Henry, I happened to watch two, two, two episodes. One was about a guy in New York that they call Preacher that was the head of a gang. I mean, he was running the Bronx in Manhattan. I mean, got it on lock. The people that were selling drugs, and they was fearful of him. That's when crack cocaine had just came out. And he had a crew, a guy that used to be a police officer, was his right-hand man, his guy that was killing people. And another guy used to be in the Army, was his left-hand man. They killing people, taking people in the basement of an apartment building, killing them. He had people running for their life. They were fearful of him. And his nickname in the street was Preacher. I'm just telling you how I go. And so they shared, they showed all of that. When he finally got caught, they was responsible for killing so many people. The cops, the prosecution, and everybody was shocked how he started just telling everything. Because those guys don't usually tell. And he started telling everything. On top of it, his mom was in court. And when they started asking him stuff, he didn't want his mom to know. He was like, trying not to answer the question because he didn't want his mom to know he was that ruthless. So he came, became like a little kid in court, like, what is going on here? Like this tough guy that everybody knew. Then they showed another episode of the shower posse. Some people don't know, but some people know. The shower posse. They got their name Shower Posse because they don't kill you with one bullet. They shower you with bullets. Jamaican gang. So they started in Jamaican Tivoli Gardens and it started running to Miami, New York, and Canada. It started with a guy named Jim Brown. That wasn't his real name, but it started with him and eventually his son took over. Now, you know, Crazy chaos, but at the end of the day, they finally arrested the son in Canada, I believe. I looked, Brother Henry, and he was surrounded with all these police. Dude was so short and little. And I'm saying, this is the dude that set America, Jamaica, and Canada in an uproar. I'm like, it was crazy. And so yesterday at the prayer meeting, they wanted me to say something. This was still in my mind. And so they say, say something. And I said, listen to me. I said, Irvington is known for a lot of murders, a lot of crooked stuff, a lot of killing, a lot of drug dealing going on in Irvington. I said, somebody started that. It wasn't a group of people that started. Somebody started it, got people together, and it just spread like wildfire, and it just became bad. But one person is responsible for it. 
I said if one person that's responsible for doing that can affect a city like that and he don't have Jesus and he don't have no power but whatever the devil do through him, what can we do that have the power of God and the favor of God to take the state, to take the city, to do whatever we could do? I said this little, I didn't tell him who it was, I said this little dude, he was running Jamaica out of control. I mean, the whole country, it was, it was so wide on the news. They talked about, Dutta's got to get catch and, you know, and, and the people in Tivoli Gardens saying because what he did was he took care of them and, you know, people got, he fed people and whatever. And they said he got to get, when the dude got caught, Brother Henry, I don't know if you knew who he was by face, but when he got caught, now watch, he is shorter than me. So he's short and stocky. And when the cops was walking through, and they're like, that's little Jim Brown. That's who was making Jamaica and America and Canada be in an uproar? I was shaking my, I couldn't believe it. I've seen his picture, but I never saw his picture with him among people. Dude was, huh? Oh, he's short. Well, this dude was short. That's all I can tell you. I watched him among, he's short. But here is the story. The moral of the story is I'm going on. So I said my little thing, and, I'm, and, and I sat down. I'm like, I don't even know why I said that, but I just feel like saying that. Then you got people that came up and give good scriptures and tell you about the flesh and the spirit, and everybody had something really good to say. And I'm sitting there saying, I ain't really said nothing. Because I didn't know this was supposed to be like a preach-off. <laughs> but here is the moral of the story. So everybody leaving out. Some young guy got up and walked to the front of the church and said to Pastor Clark, he grabbed me and said, come here, I need you and Pastor Clark to pray for me. He said, I've been coming here for two, two services now, and God told me I need to get prayed for. Dude is from Jamaica. He sings. He was offered um, a contract for a million dollars for a record deal. But he had backslid. His mom is in church. He backslid. So he'd been talking to his mom back in Jamaica and telling her that he just feel God doing something. And he said to me, he said, please pray for me. Everything you were saying about what God can do through somebody's life. I heard that voice in my head already said that after, before you said that. So here I am just thinking I'm throwing something out. And God was speaking. So. We have to just trust who we are in God. Can't be nobody else. Be who you are in God. Because here I am. I could have thought it was a preach-off. I would have raised my hand against it. Let me say a word after that. <laughs> Can I say a word after him? Because this is a preach-off. Let me preach a little bit. But I just felt like I needed to share what God, what God had put on my heart. Like this little dude had three countries in an uproar. Three. They had wiretaps. Man, People was just, they were listening on this call about just, just how many kilos of coke and, and, and marijuana, you know, the weights. And I'm just like, when I look, I said, dude, you were supplying Jamaica, Canada, and Miami with guns, marijuana, and cocaine. You? Man, that got me stirred up about what I can do for God. That's, that's what, that's the, that's, that's the gist of this story is like, if you can, be a nobody like that. And, and this little dude, I mean, you know, his dad sent him, his dad sent him to good school, but still, I just, I'm just like, man, you don't have no God. I got God. I can turn my city upside down if I really trust God. 
But we need to affect our surroundings. Listen, I don't know where I'm going to go tonight. I understand I'm learning every day quicker in a, in a, in a more rapid way who I am in God. 21 years and I'm still learning, but I'm learning a whole lot more. And, and what I realize about me, as I said, I'm like a John the Baptist. I'm, I'm always forward thinking. And so I realize I'm always going to be a little bit different in the crowd, even though I fit in the crowd. And so what you all are going to hear from me all the time is getting something done for Christ. I can never just be still. You're going to get tired of me. If you stay still, you're going to get tired of me. And you're going to do one or you're going to, you're going to start doing it or something different. Because at the end of the day, all I know is what this guy did, how he affected his surrounding. Listen, man, they brought barricades. They brought all kind of tankers and, 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 and army people into Tivoli Gardens in Jamaica just to come capture him. And the people would let him capture him. Oh, you ain't coming in here. They were they were fighting against the, the army and police force to stop them from trying to come and arrest this guy. All because, guess what? He affected them. He affected them. And so what I know is we are supposed to affect our surroundings wherever we go. People are supposed to know we're like Margaret. That's a Christian person right there. Not because we've beaten them in the head to tell them what we are, but our actions is telling them what we are every day. That's who we are. We got to be who we are because... Some of these people that are living not as God would, people know who they are. Back home in the street now, people know gang member. This one, that one. They know everybody out in the street. Millionaire, if you're a millionaire. Everybody know everybody. Why are they supposed to guess who you are? I think they go to church. Yeah, they go to church. But I heard them cuss a couple of times. Hey, they came in this morning. They had an attitude. Listen. Let me talk to Brother D. Cause Brother D quiet over here. Brother D's not going to get upset. Listen. You're not being a fake. By going to work every day and have a smile on your face and like everything is good. See, we think that's being phony. And I'm going to tell you, it's trying to be the best Christian you can. Because what we're trying to project every time is how good this life is. That's how we affect. How you think Christopher Coke Nutt has affected Jamaica? They thought he could take care of them. He had what it took to make sure life was better for them. You've got what it takes to make somebody's life be great eternally. So wherever you go, you got to go in there with a big smile and with confidence in your shoulders square. And you looking confident as you can be and be ready to say kind words, have big smiles and just go about your business. Because what you have to say to them can change your life eternally. All of the stuff that changes people's life is temporary. 
Because I'm sure when my man gave somebody money for school, they, you know, because what they say is sometimes children don't have money to go to school. They would go to him and he would give them money to go to school. But if they're not working, they got to go back again. And again and again. But what me and you have, what, what we give to people, they don't have to keep coming back over and over and over because God will see to it that they're fully taken care of. We have what it takes to make a difference. We just got to start knowing that and live like that. So Jesus was teaching and the rich young ruler was on the scene. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? The interaction between Jesus and the ruler made 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 us realize that this this guy knew the commandments of God. And what it comes came down to is he expressed that he knew about the do not commandments. He knew all the do nots because he said I've kept them from my youth. So he knew all about the do nots. He was good at that. Some of us we can know how to the do nots. But if we have bad attitude, what good is that? This certain ruler had the do not aspect of a good life well in hand. Perhaps the person visiting with Jesus anticipated that this being the end of the dialogue when the guy said, I've kept everything. You might think, OK, well, he kind of shut Jesus down because he, he good. However, the conversation did not end there. Instead, Jesus challenged the young ruler to do something. Not not to do something, but to do something. You following me? He was telling Jesus, I did not lie. I did not commit adultery. I did not steal. So he had the do nots under control. But what Jesus was after was the do's. Not the do nots. So this guy was refraining from stuff. Jesus was there to tell him, but you got to do some stuff. And the craziest thing about it is Jesus is telling us the stuff we got to do is what gives us eternal life. Oh, boy, we're in trouble now. Because not lying, not stealing, not committing adultery, not fornicating, not, 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 you know, Doing wrong, not being immoral, that's all right. And you're supposed to not do those things. But you can do those things or not do those things and still not go to heaven. That's, that's the moral of this story. We can be all on it. I don't lie. I'm ethical. I do all this. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I hear you. And that's good that you don't because God wants us to not do those things. But you can do those things and still miss out because Jesus says, okay, that's great that you've done those things. However, you still lack something. What do I lack, Jesus? I need you to do some work. I need you to serve. He said, sell your stuff and go distribute to the poor. That's what he wanted him to do. He said, go sell your stuff and distribute to the poor. That's work. That's called service. Remember, I told you, God don't need your help. 
He needs your service. He don't need your help. He needs your service. So he says, go and sell your stuff and take that money and go distribute to the poor. Service. That's what God is looking for from us. Now, here is something to look at. We know that the, the, the young ruler had an issue with that. And in going through the lesson, here is something that I want you to consider. Did he have an issue with that because, oh man, I'm rich and you want me to give up my riches? Or did he have an issue with that because a lot of times we identify ourselves by what we have, the lifestyle that we have. And so what you're telling me is you want me to give up my life. I love Jesus because he knows what is in your life that when you give that up, you have changed your life. He said, sell and give it. I don't think it was about the money because let's think about it like this. If he was rich, maybe his family was rich too. So, maybe if he would have sold all of it, he might, he probably wouldn't go hungry. I'm just going with the natural right now, because spiritually we know that God would have took care of him. That's a given. God would have took care of him. But let's just go with, say, okay, he didn't want to go poor. Right? So he sell all his stuff. Oh man, but the real issue, I believe, is that it was taking away his status, because he was known as the rich. Young ruler. If you took away the money, he was no longer known as the rich. And many of us are standing on our, who we are, our status, or what we possess, how people know us. Oh, I can go deep. I remember years being in church. And, Sister Sharon, at some point in time in our church that we were in, there were a lot of young guys that came in eventually. And I remember, I never used to talk with them, never used to meet with them, because I realized that we, they would get together, and the biggest conversation when we got together was when I used to be in the world. When I used to be in the world, when I used to be in the world. But you know what it was? It wasn't really so much glorifying. It was what they was identified by. And when you come into the kingdom, it no longer matters if you truly give it up. And so what happened is we was afraid to give up our status. We was afraid to let go of our identity. And that can be lifestyle. That can be possessions. That can be anything. But there's something that identifies you. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus is coming right at you because that's what he wants. Because that's what will change your life. That's what make you stop being who you used to be before Christ. Yeah, he coming straight at that. Whatever that is, he coming straight at it. Whatever the possession, whatever the status, whatever lifestyle you were living to say, because this is just how I roll. Oh, my goodness. And the good news about the Lord is. Just say he need to take it. He needs you to give it all up so you can start from scratch. He will give it back to you and better. 
but now you are identified in him as opposed to in you. That's what he's trying to get us to understand is that it, he wants us to get our identity from him in his kingdom, not the identity you had before you came in. And so a rich young ruler, he was keeping the, he was doing, he was not doing some of the things, but he wasn't doing everything because he didn't want to give up that identity of being known as the young rich dude. The young rich dude. The young cool dude. Whatever you want to have to say, this is your identity. Yes. And so that's going to be our struggling Christ. I'm telling you right now. There's things in our life that when we come to God, God is going to aim straight at it. It took me a long time to receive the Holy Ghost. And I knew why. I was cool, dude. Yes, I was cool, dude. And when I came in church, I wanted to experience God, but in my cool way. So I'm not crying. Because I ain't never cried. Unless I was, on, uh, maybe when I was a kid and I got a beating, but I just don't cry. So I wasn't going to cry. And I was never going to not look cool. You know what I'm saying, Luke? I was never going to not look cool. So crying and taking me out of my cool look, that ain't happening. So Lord let me sit there for a long time. Wasn't getting the Holy Ghost. And I wasn't doing nothing wrong. I wasn't sinning doing nothing wrong. But my issue was I wasn't letting go of my coolness and I was never letting them make me cry. Because mm-hmm. that's who I am. You go on the streets and check my reputation. I don't know if people still living that, that know about who I used to be. I was the coolest thing around. Luke couldn't touch me. I drove a black BMW. Kept good money in my pocket. It wasn't nothing that I wasn't doing, Luke. I was rolling. Cool. Right, Sister Danielle? Cool. I would walk in the club. It's dark in the club. And I walk in with my dark Versace glasses on. It's dark in the club. And I walk in with my dark Versace. Cool. And that stopped me from getting the Holy Ghost, man. Because all I wanted to do was look cool. So I wanted to keep the identity of who I was. And finally... When I surrendered, and now I had to start crying in front of people, Lord have mercy. I started crying in front of people, Brother D. Now, that ain't me no more. So I can relate to the rich young ruler. Maybe it wasn't money for me, but it was who I was projected to be. Right, Sister Phillips? The other thing about me that was, that was extra cool, you ain't never seen me without a cocktail in my hand. There was certain image, Luke, that I had that that's what identified who I was. I drive a nice car. I kept money in my pocket. I knew how to dress. I can go on and on and on. That was my image. Wasn't letting it go. Came into church. He did me like the rich young ruler. Oh, I'm not doing nothing with you until you become who I want you to become. You're going to cry when when my spirit move in your life. You're crying. And, and you, you, you're not going to have no image. When I got saved, I had to go apologize to people and tell them I'm sorry for doing them wrong. Who, me? I'm cool. I don't do that. 
Man, oh man. So everybody had their rich young ruler experience is what I'm telling you. God's going to point at something specific that you got to give up. And until you give it up, you will be missing out on what God has for you. And that's man and woman. I don't know y'all circumstances, but whatever it is, until you give it up, until you deal with it and realize I am going to have to give this up and follow Jesus Christ. If the rich man did as Jesus instructed, he would have suffered loss. See, this is what this serving God is all about. Whatever God is asking us to do to us is going to seem like I'm losing something. And that's exactly what the Lord wants you to know. What the scripture says, for he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that loses life for my sake shall gain eternal life. So if you want eternal life, that's still support what the scripture. If you want eternal life, you're going to have to lose your old life and give up your old life so you can follow Jesus, which you think is like, man, that's ridiculous. Yes, Genesis. We look at following Jesus as just, nah, man, that's crazy. I got to do that. But until we give up that old life and follow Jesus, we cannot do all we want. It won't get us to heaven. The lesson is plain. Someone can obey all the do not instructions of Christian life and never be a servant. The rich young ruler was never a servant of God, even though he claimed to be godly. See, that's what God is dealing with. Like, how are you going to say you're a servant? How are you going to say you're a Christian and you're not a servant? That's what God is dealing with. So you couldn't tell the rich young ruler he wasn't a Christian. I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I don't bear false witness. I don't do that stuff. Christians don't do that and I don't do it. But he wasn't going to go to heaven. Jesus said, I need you to do something. Because this thing called Christianity, it, 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 you have to do something. You don't sit back and listen. Man, I got to finish this lesson tonight. We can brag and boast what we don't do when because of who we are characteristically, it might just be easy not to do that. And we want to act like we're doing something. Let me go deep on you. And so you never tempted to fornicate or commit adultery because you can care less about sex. Quiet in here. And you think you're doing something good. You don't like it. You don't want to do it. So that's not a temptation. So don't walk around like you all good. You've got things at your disposal, so you never got to steal, so you never stole. Oh, I don't steal. What? Because you always have stuff? You don't brag about that? So we got to look at these things the way they need to be looked at. And that's how God is challenging us. So what you don't do, we can't brag on that. Oh, I don't do this. I don't. Oh, God ain't interested. God has said, what do you do? What do you do? 
He's about what you do. Because here's the story. If you do what God say to do, the things that you shouldn't do will just fall into place. Oh, I'm losing you. I'm losing you. I'm losing you. So, let me give you an example. So if I'm following Jesus, I don't have time to go shop for the latest attires. You follow what I'm saying? If I'm following Jesus, the other day we were streaming and we was watching the Oscars. And I said, um, what's the latest? What was it? The, 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 suede? Is it suede? Suede, right? Suede is the latest fashion now. Velvet. My bad. Yeah, velvet. So everybody got a velvet jacket. I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm out of style. I need a velvet jacket. What's wrong with them? But when I wasn't following Jesus, trust me, I would have had a velvet jacket. I never forgot when Carl Kanai came out with boots. I had my Carl Kanai boots that came up the air. Because if that's the fashion, what? We got to roll with that. But when you're following Jesus, you can't follow fashion. It's not, you don't even have to think about it. All you're doing, all you know is I'm following Jesus, which means if I'm going to be praying and fasting and reading my Bible and going to work and then go to church and follow Jesus, work, I don't even have time to do that. You don't even get the chance to think about those other things. So here's a secret I'm giving you tonight. By following Jesus, by doing something, you will easily not do the wrong things, but you can Refrain from not, li- you can refrain from lying and stealing, but you might not follow Jesus. You follow what I'm saying? This, this is the easy way to look at it. I can, I can say I'm not gonna smoke. I can say I'm not gonna drink. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. But I can still not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just pretty good at those things. Nobody is pretty good at following Jesus except for just following Jesus. But we can be pretty good at not doing that. There are kids that was raised up in homes don't lie. So even if they tell a lie here and there, they don't like lying because they just was brought up that kind of way. And So we can not do a lot of things. Jesus is not interested in us not doing the things because he already know the answer. And the reason why I'm telling you this I preached a message one time. I've said this before, but some of you probably hear it the first time. I preached a message one time. God gave me a message. The, the, the topic of the message is sin is not our problem. Never forgot. Preached at Pastor Daniel's church. When I gave the topic, I saw people look up like, whoa, what is he going to preach about today? Because that just sounds blasphemous in a church. Sin is not a problem. Look around. Everybody's sinning. And what I started out telling them is, Brother Darrell, the only time we have a problem with something is if there's no remedy for it. Then they say, oh, this is interesting. I said, yes. Cancer is a problem because there's not really any remedy for that. AIDS is a problem because there's no remedy for that. But, but, but we have antibiotics for a lot of things. So whatever it is that you need antibiotics for where you just take the, 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 the Z-pack and you good, That's not a problem because you got a cure for it. Jesus shed his blood, which means we have a cure for sin. 
So sin is not our problem. This came from the Lord to me. What the Lord told me was our problem was not loving him. Back to that following thing. Because if we love him and follow him, we cover all the other things that we probably could or couldn't do with the do nots and do nots and do nots. The do nots are not. A matter of fact. The do nots mainly dealt with you and your fellow man. You and your fellow man. Just go check out about those things. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't be false witness. Don't fornicate. It was you and somebody else. The other commandments was between you and God. Those came first. So what we're learning is, learning is, if we do what God say do, we can easily take care of the other ones. I don't know if y'all got that. If we do what God say do, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind. All, if we do those things, then we can easily not do the other thing. Not do. I, I told my wife years ago, just keep me spiritual, baby. Keep me spiritual. Because if I'm spiritual, I won't do the stuff. If I get carnal, sure, I will do the stuff. That's any one of us. So the goal for all of us is to follow Jesus so we never get carnal minded and let the flesh get in control. Jesus gave the certain ruler a specific call to action. We're supposed to do something. Jesus was not making light of the do nots. Don't do this. He was not making light. What he's trying to get us to understand is, listen, it's hard to put your heart and soul into serving the Lord and just treat your life can just like any kind of way. Just do any wrong. If I'm following God, it's going to be hard for me to just, just with all my heart and soul putting in everything, it's going to just be hard for me to be careless with my Christian life. You follow what I'm saying? Many have their sense of self-measure by the things they possess Maybe this man was very rich. We talked about that. And, 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 and a lot of times, you know, our lifestyle, what we possess is the thing we put out there and we don't want to change it. If someone is asked to sacrifice what they secretly identify to be their defining trait, there will be a struggle within them. So we'll go back to what I'm trying to tell you. God is going to ask you to give up the thing that you want to hold on to the most. For the rich young ruler... It was money. And he's trying to get that thing out of you because that's the thing that's stopping you from serving him. That thing can be pride. I, I, I'm, I'm prideful about who I am and how I carry myself. I don't do stuff like that. And so because of that, you can't serve. You can't see yourself vacuuming the floor at the church. Can't see yourself cleaning the bathrooms at the church. Can't see yourself in the parking lot. Can't see yourself. The only thing I can see myself doing is something that goes with my image. The cost of service. If the man obeyed this instruction, his future finances and well-being 
would have left him. He was put to that risk. When you come to God and God is asking you to serve him, you're putting your old life at risk, your old lifestyle. And that's what you're worrying about. But can I tell you tonight, God will not ask you to put something at risk, as you might think, and not reward you. It's an exchange. What God is saying, here's knowledge. God is saying, give up that old old life. I'm giving you something brand new, and it's going to be so much better than what you had. Can, can, can you just trust me that believe if you will just forget about whatever is holding you back from serving God and just serve him and realize that you will be better off with what God is going to do in your life than what you think you're trying to defend why you don't want to look a certain way or why you don't want to do certain things because it's just kind of not my thing. What do you mean by it's not your thing? God's going to ask you to do something, whether it's your thing or you're not your thing, are you going to do it? Serving always involved the sacrifice of ease, self-interest, and often self-identity. So let me say that again. Serving will always involve sacrifice of ease. So you, when you're serving, it will not just be easy. It's going to be challenging. Barry's still struggling in the parking lot. Because sometimes in the morning some of y'all come and y'all got the face. And he trying to do his best to smile and hopefully do something to make you feel better. And you probably just don't even want to talk to him. Or he trying to point you somewhere where you need to park. And he like, and you like, please, get out of here with that. And you got to keep a good attitude. Sell, serving will always involve self-ease. I'm sure he don't feel comfortable with that. And when you start serving and you feel comfortable, mm, because servants mean you're going to be treated kind of crappy sometimes. When you look at the plain old meaning of servant, we'll see what the deal was with servants. Servant make you like, man, this is crazy. It also will deal with your self-interest, what you are interested in. Probably is not where you're going to serve in. Because it's, it's still all about you following Christ. And if you're doing what you want, you're not following Christ. You're doing what you want. Then also you deal with self-identity. You want to do something that keeps, you know, everybody... This is funny. Everybody that have a position in their secular job where they stand before people and talk or whatever, they think that when they get saved, they're going to be a preacher. (laughs) Because we can't help ourselves but to think, well, that's what I do. So it's going to be what I do. And God, even if. That's what God's going to bring you to do. He first got to break you down first and take you another way because you can't preach if you don't be, if you're not humble. So if you come right in the door and because your thing was I'm standing before people, so that's going to be my job. I'm going to stand before people. (laughs) You're going to be so disappointed and so hurt because at the end of the day, the bottom line is God is saying, I am not letting no proud person stand before my people. None. I will bring every proud person down that stand before my people with their proud self. 
No arrogance or pride will stand before my people. And if they start being that way, watch me bring them down slowly but surely, sooner or later. So, so if I used to be you know, a public speaker, oh, he's going to take me the long way. Oh, I'm not coming in being no public speaker. He's taking me the long way. Oh, yeah, he's taking me the long way. Because he's trying to teach you humility. He's trying to teach you the essence of following Christ. That's what it's about. Self is an idol to be sacrificed on the altar of service. Need to tweet that. Self is an idol to be sacrificed on the altar of service. So he's going to get you to serve in a low state. Because that's his way of making you sacrifice self. Because you was idolizing yourself. You thought you was it, Wayne. <laughs> I could talk to myself. Oh, you was the man. You went to church. You thought you was going to be the man again? Please. Not, after, not before you cry. Not before you serve. Not before you be a nobody. Self is an idol to be sacrificed on the altar of service. All right, getting close there. Um, True Christianity puts the will of the flesh aside to do what is pleasing to God. True Christianity puts the will of the flesh aside to do what is pleasing to God. That's when you know you're living for God. When you're saying, man, this is not me. Lord, why am I doing this? I'm not going to get into that story too, too much. But there's a story. There's a book in the Bible that's called Philemon or Philemon. Whichever way you want to call it. Well, there's a guy that was talked about, and it's only one chapter. I think in chapter twenty, in in chapter one, verse like twenty or somewhere eighteen. But it's a guy named Onesimus, and Onesimus was a slave to Philemon. And one day he left and got saved through the ministry of Apostle Paul. Love and life, everything was good. Received the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And Paul said to him when all of that was complete, you know, um, you still got to go back to where you used to be. And you're kind of in trouble because the way you came this way wasn't right. Paul says, you got to go back. What are you going to do? But it's just telling us how we still got to go that route of being a servant. We still got to go that route of still humbling ourselves. We still got to go that route. He thought he was on top of the world. Paul says, got to go back. Now, Paul wrote the letter to Philemon and says, listen, he, I know he's your servant, but he's one of us now. Be easy on him. And so the Lord, the favor of the Lord went before him because he obeyed. And you read more in scripture later on, you find out that Philemon was a servant in the house of the Lord, because when he went back, it worked out where um, um, Philemon told Onesimus, he says, you good, man, don't worry about it. I'm letting you go free. Go serve the Lord. 
Go serve the Lord. But in his just think about one of us, we would have been like, man, I can't do that. I'm saved now. Let me tell you this story about serving when you serve out of love. This is my final story and I'm done. When you serve out of love, this was this it was this um, Japanese lady had a son and at the early stage the son fell and went into a coma. Six days later, son came out of the coma, but he couldn't talk and he was paralyzed. And so he still kept growing, became a big boy and everything like that. The mom spent the rest of her life carrying him around on her back, taking care of him. And she walking everywhere she go, got her son on her back, big boy. Son probably got up to 160 pounds. This Japanese lady weighed 80 pounds. And she carried her son around everywhere she went. Because she says, that's my son and I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to take care of him because I love him. And so it raised the question to all of us. When you love, what won't you do? Either we love God or we don't love God. And if we say we do, what won't we do? That's what service is about for God. If we say we do, what won't we do? If I say I love God, what won't I do? I think I'm going to do everything because I say I love God. And God is not asking me to carry around 160 pounds every day. Every one of us should try to find some place in the church to serve every one of us. In Matthew 25, verse 21, the scripture says this. His Lord said unto him, let me start in verse 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked 
and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take thee therefore the talent from him and give it to unto him which had ten talents. For unto everyone that had shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that had not shall not be taken, shall be taken away even that which he had. And cast ye the unprofitable into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Two servants did something. The other one, I'm not doing nothing. And then he came up with a lame excuse. You tell me what we're going to do about serving. Let's stand. Don't forget, Sister Philomena told me to make this announcement and she's not here.